Hey everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, now on iTunes and Spotify. Uh, I think we'll do something a little bit different today. We're going to have a, uh, uh, a special guest on. Now, I've known this, this particular guest for, I've known of him since about 1991. He's accomplished some pretty important things in the world of nutrition, contest prep, and a lot of other things. Now, Marty, you go way back with this guy, so why don't you go ahead and introduce him? Yeah, well, uh, let me uh, let me give everybody a real quick who, what, where, when, why, and how on, on John. I first came into contact with John, and I have been friends for over 30 years. John who? And John Perillo. Mm-hmm. John Perillo and I have been friends for over 30 years. I first came into contact when I was working at Muscle and Fitness as a uh, the training editor and Jim Wright, Dr. Jim Wright, who was uh, the science editor at Flex Magazine, said, hey, there's a guy in Ohio that's doing some really uh, amazing work with some bodybuilders. He's completely unorthodox. So uh, one thing led to another, and John and I eventually got into contact. And uh, I... I um, I was completely blown away by the sophistication of John's approach. And again, remember, you got to put it in the context of the time. Uh, let me go through some of the stuff that John introduced into the bodybuilding template, which everybody nowadays takes for granted. But uh, this stuff can all be traced back to the guy that we're sitting here talking to today. Uh, first off, John is primarily known as a supplement maker, but the supplements actually came out of a need that uh, that came into existence when John was prepping top bodybuilders. Uh, he was the first guy to systemize and codify the, the multiple meal eating schedule plan, which of course is now standard operating procedure in bodybuilding. The idea that every two to three waking hours competitive bodybuilder needs to refuel. He was the first guy to champion the idea of high calorie eating. Uh, before John came along, bodybuilders were starving themselves. This was the era of Frank Zane and Chris Dickerson. I think Dickerson, John, I think Dickerson won the uh, Olympia with the 16 and a half inch arm. Uh, well, I'm serious. It, it was sad times. Uh, all these really super skinny guys, and John, John came along, and he started talking about this idea that you could t intake massive amounts of calories and still stay ripped, and of course, he got uh, he got beat up on that one, and everyone said, no, that's impossible. You can't it, was, it was heresy. Yeah, it was. I mean, it you was. can't, yeah, it was impossible. You can't exceed the energy balance equation and not get fat. Uh, everyone knows that. I will spin off on that. Let me just run through quickly the rest of John's list because it's a big one. He was, John Perillo was the first guy to introduce cardio into bodybuilding. Okay, before John came along, bodybuilders didn't do cardio. The, the, the orthodoxy of the day was that cardio tears muscle tissue down. You don't want to do that. Of course, all the bodybuilders wanted to buy into that. It's like, yeah, we don't need that stuff. Right? Yeah, they don't want to do it either. Uh, but he was the first guy to introduce cardio. He was also the first guy to introduce the idea of fasted cardio. Everybody nowadays, they do fasted cardio, right? Get up in the morning, do your cardio before, you know, you replenish your glycogen. John was the first guy to come up with that. Okay. 
MCTs. Now MCTs are big. No one, no one knew anything about MCTs before John came on the scene. Okay, stretching, stretching between sets, fascist stretching. I mean, on and on it goes. Perillo, I could, I could easily talk about John's training innovations. He is, when it comes to bodybuilding training, he is an expert when it comes to muscle targeting. So uh, he remains an important guy because his supplements to this day set the standard. Uh, Perillo, to me, the supplements are synonymous with Ferrari or Lamborghini. They're a cut above, okay? And he's maintained his integrity and his quality all these years, and he's always refused to hype or lie or exaggerate about product to his own financial detriment. Okay, so he's, uh, he's, he's maintained his integrity from day one to the present. So that's a pretty good damn overview on John, I would think, right? That's a great intro, yeah. Thank yeah, you very much. Is. I don't thank know, maybe. You, thank you, Marty. Who's this guy I want to meet him? Wow. <laughs> you, know, you know, actually, John, don't say anything because you'll ruin it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. All right. Well, well where do we start? <laughs> John, what do you want to let me, let me let me say one thing about Marty when I first got with Marty. <laughs> oh boy! And uh, no, no, no. He wanted to uh, he wanted to compete at a at a lighter weight, and right. um, and um, he was known to eat handfuls um, of, uh, of uh, hot dogs at a time and things like that to keep his weight up. I mean, he was a he was a world ranked uh, right at the top uh, power lifter. And uh, and so he got with me, and it's like, well, hey, you can you can lose a lot of that fat and maintain the strength. And he used to lift, I think, what a two forty two. When with John, John's help, I won uh, national titles as a two forty two, a two twenty, and with John as a one ninety eight. I won. And the, the yeah. thing the thing of it was when he got down, he started leaning out, and his but basically, the lift stayed up. And when, when he when he got down to about uh, started getting under 220 and then at 210 and when he got down to 198, all his friends and everybody says, "Oh, you look great! You look so terrible before." <laughs> <laughs> so he had to. So then he had to, Then he had no excuse to get, you know, to get his weight up and put the fat on again. <laughs> you guys go how far back? Oh my God! How how in far the, back you guys go? Into the 80s. Yeah. The 80s. So, yeah, yeah, we've been around. All right, well, look, look. John, I think, well, I, w I want to ask John how he got started. I mean, where, where did, John, where does your passion come from from all this? I mean, what, what got you going? Uh, wow. Um, what got me going, um, first contest I ever competed in, I, I did it on a bet. And because a friend of mine named Tony Del Vecchio was just, he was, he was like the Greek god type body, you know, huge shoulders, narrow waist, captain of Xavier's, uh, you know, college defensive, you know, captain of defensive uh, football team. And, uh, and he just was, just had the perfect body, kind of like Steve Reeves. And I said, Tony, you ought to get in the Mr. Cincinnati contest. He looked at me and paused about a minute. He said, I will if you will. Ooh. And threw and it down, he, threw down. Yeah, down. and I said, okay. What, I said, what I said, okay, what, you're what in year, it. John, what year? Hey, wow, that was back in the 70s. Yeah. So mm. I said, you're in it. Now, so what do I do? I go out and I buy 
strength and health. It became mm-hmm. muscle and fitness. Yep. And I did what all the all the pro bodybuilders were doing. I drank three bottles a day of cherry flavored liquid collagen, just like <laughs> Weeder said. And here, here I am, here I am, here I am, a senior in chemistry, and uh, and I remember I'm standing up and almost fainting, and I, it was it was just terrible. I got down to a weight I hadn't I hadn't weighed since I was like a sophomore in high school. I lost all my muscle and. Uh, I said, boy, there's got to be a better way than this. And 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 the one thing the, the, the one thing I learned in eight years of analytical science is I learned the scientific method. Mm-hmm. So I so I started reading everything I could. But by the the next year, he came in fourth. I came in third. Okay. So uh, um, that year he came in he came in I think fourth the first year. He did the second year. And I came in like uh, 22nd or something like that. Mm. So hey, was, hey, hey, John. Yeah. Can you also mention about some of your early powerlifting? Oh yeah. Well, it started out with bodybuilding, and I didn't get into uh, till I opened a till I opened a neighborhood gym. I didn't get into powerlifting, and um, and actually doing the uh, it, it just it just it was a lot easier. I love competing. And I have I have a narrow narrow pectoral girdle. I have narrow shoulders, and I got a big butt. So the the bodybuilding wasn't suited for me, but the powerlifting was. So um, and it it was it was it's quite an area to, to be a powerlifter in because you had you had John Black in Cleveland. Well, I, I was in Cincinnati, and you had uh, you had Louis Simmons in uh, in Columbus. You had Larry Pacifico in Dayton. So we visited we visited all those places and picked up. I learned first how to belt squat from Louis Simmons, and I built the first belt squat machine there was because belt squatting then was putting two benches up and by mm, the side yeah. of the uh, by, by the side of the uh, power rack so you could hold on to it and hang the weight on a dip belt between your legs and and squat down. But then. Then you had to be real careful because we were sumo squatters, and you could actually push the benches over. So, uh, so I built a, I, you know, I, I built, I went to actually cabinet maker, maker had him made out of wood, a, a, a very basic belt squat with the, and, uh, and it developed from there. And then yeah. we used to pull ourselves up with our hands, so I put the handle on it that you couldn't, you couldn't use that, and it, it was, and and you just. You learn. You, you you just keep learning. It was amazing. Guys could squat 600 pounds, couldn't do 400 when it was hanging between their legs. That's how much you know. That's how much back you have. You have in a squat. Yeah, I love that exercise, and it takes all that load off the spine too. Uh, it's great for people that have uh, you know back issues and things like that. So that was John. John was a good lifter too. John, didn't you win the, you won the states, right? Yeah, I won the light heavyweight Ohio. Got my elite. What were your lifts? Uh, my best competition squat, I lifted at 181, uh, was 705. Not not all at the same time. My best bench was 410, and my best deadlift was 675. Yep. So that was the base. Now also. Oh, and you can go on. You can go on uh, YouTube and put in Perillo wins, and you can see me. Uh, you can see me at the Ohio. Uh, we did get that on video uh, when I, and I, I think I think that, and actually I didn't even train for that. I just I just went up there because I wanted to I wanted to qualify for the senior nationals, 
and uh, I just drove up, and nobody in my gym came with me, and I just, and oh, I didn't, even, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even bring my <laughs> tight suits or anything. I just used my practice suits, put everything on myself, and uh, and uh, and I was going to qualify. But then, and I qualified. You had to, you had to get for your, the nationals. Yeah, the senior national. You had to uh, you had to get your elite to do that, and then I came back, and I realized, hey. People are starting to come from all over the country, not even all over the country, from even all over the world to come here and train for a little while, and uh, and you know and, and find out what I what I have to show them, and uh, I better start paying attention to business. So. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And John, was that your actual gym, or was that a gym that that you went to? Oh no, that was my gym. Started so that was your okay. Ultra Ultra Strength and Fitness Center, and it ended up. Of course, Perillo's gym, because that's what everybody called it. What year did you start the gym? I think it was 74, 76. Okay. Right. All right. So that's where you got yeah. the gym experience and, and all that. So. Oh, and I, I got, see, I, I got a lot. I was, just, I was just talking to, we had a doctor who works out of here, Dr. Gearman. I was just talking to him. And it's like, I would, I, and I was working every night of the week at usually, I, I was working the, the gym from, Opened at ten o'clock, would close at nine, and then I go to work and at uh, either uh, assistant manager, bouncer, um, whatever, at three different bars. And every night of the week, I do it, and um, and I would. Uh, um, it was just it was just quite a quite a grueling schedule, but I did that to keep the gym open. But there was and it was a very small neighborhood gym, it was two thousand square feet. And it didn't have um, it, it didn't have people in it all the time because there were lags in the afternoon. And I didn't want to be sleeping because I was only getting three to four hours sleep a night. I didn't want to be sleeping when somebody came in. So I'd get on the exercise benches. And this is this was in the beginning. And I, I didn't I didn't know that much physiology. I didn't know how muscles were connected, what all the muscles were. I knew just pecs and that sort of thing. And to keep from falling asleep, I'd get on the benches, and I literally, over the years, I have thousands of hours doing this, and I don't know anybody that does, and I would try to feel the muscles, and I'd try to feel where each muscle was and how it worked and what this felt like and what that felt like. And then as I learned, as then I learned the muscles and I learned the physiology and where you know where they originated, where they you know how they connected and everything, I it, it was I I actually knew what that felt like. So uh, yeah, you're about, uh, establishing a I don't know what do you want to call it. I guess the one half of the mind muscle connection. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then you apply it to your training, and and you really are right. able to hone in on on exactly what you're training. And since I did that for thousands of hours, I know exactly what it feels like. So when I started explaining things to people, hmm. uh, they, they understood. I, I knew now, here, now take and instead of this, just pull your shoulder down or twitch this or pull this back. And you feel the difference. It's like, wow, yeah, okay, so you're working, you know, you're working something a little differently. You're working on John, John was also a master, like one, he'll, he'll set a, a dude on the leg press and, Show how you can isolate, uh, you know, you know, all the individual heads of the quad by having different different positions on the the foot plate, and also, you know, different push points, whether the heel, the toe, the outside of the foot, whatever. Uh, he's a master of of being able to isolate the muscle. 
that also comes from our time. We didn't have all these damn sophisticated machines. Thing, things were very, uh, you, you got your facts learned when you were trying to isolate a muscle with a barbell. Yeah. Yeah, you had, to, you had to know how to isolate it rather than the machine putting you in that path of, of motion, I guess. Quite like a lot. It forces you to learn for yourself instead of somebody giving it mm -hmm. to you. And you learn more when it's a necessity for you. So, John's most controversial uh, concept was, was the high calorie, and that hit that hit bodybuilding like a shockwave. I mean, it was like um, I don't know. It, it was just people couldn't believe it. And it sounded insane. How can someone eat 10,000 calories a day and not end up being fat? Yet, here come these big, giant goon dudes out of Ohio that Perilla was prepping. I mean, some of these guys were freaky looking. I won't mention any names, but it was the first wave of the... John, John <coughs> figured out how to create the modern monster bodybuilder. Right? How do you get really big and stay, you know, sub five percent body fat, sub three percent body fat percentile? And uh, Perilla figured it out. But it's a very, it's a tightrope, right, John? Yeah. Oh no. Actually, it's it's very easy. You want me to go into a little <laughs> yes, sir. explanation Absolutely. on that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Because um, we all want to be gargantuan. That's right. Okay. First, first Still you need the stimulus. Thing. You need the stimulus to grow muscle. Okay. And that's good old weightlifting. That's not uh, CrossFit. That's not plyometrics. That's that's good old push the weight up slowly, let the weight down. Okay, the stimulus to grow muscle comes when you push the weight up. That's fine. Now that's like in in CrossFit and things. You can, or if you're pushing a car across a parking lot, okay, you're contracting your muscles. But then on the eccentric, there's no there's no resistance, so you're conditioning the muscle. If you want to, if you want to give the muscle the stimulus to grow, you have to tear the muscle tissue, and that's when you lower the weight. You relax some of your a muscle fiber works on an all-or-nothing principle. So when you push the weight up, then when you lower it, you relax the stimulus going to it. You don't fire as many muscle fibers, and the ones that are trying to hold it can't. And so these little myosin heads are trying to crawl up the act, and they can. They kind of rip coming down. Yep. And those, those microscopic tears or, are, are, are the stimulus. The muscle is saying, I can't hold that weight. I have to get stronger. Oh, God, so, I get excited when you talk like that, John. Keep going. <laughs> so, so that's a stimulus to grow muscle. So, uh, and uh, then, then the stimulus is there. Now you have to give the muscle... The, enough, enough nutrients, basically proteins and calories, to grow to repair and grow new muscle from that stimulus you just did. Um, so the the calories and the protein and the proteins and the nutrients come from the food in your diet, right? So right. It's, it's, it's totally easiest to gain muscle on a calorie surplus. So get your you want to put on muscle, get your weight going up. Get your weight going up about a pound a week, no more than a pound per hundred pounds of body fat. Then question, question, the, question, yeah. question from the audience. Question. Yeah. Um, 
all calories are not the same, right? I mean, right. Yeah, that's what that's what I was just going to go into. Okay, sorry. Okay, then you have to when when the calories you digest them, they go actually they go in your bloodstream. Uh, the protein and carbs and all the all the capri all goes through your your portal vein, through your liver. Um, the fats go in through the lymphatic system and they're circulated, uh, but everything ends up in your in your bloodstream. So th then you your your blood sugar goes up, your blood fat goes up, and your the protein in your blood goes up. Now your body likes to stay in certain narrow ranges. So you have a you have a hormone called insulin that when the blood sugar starts going up too high, it wants to lower that blood sugar and keep it within a normal range. It does that by by what's called activating GLUT4 insulin receptors. And when I, when I started this and explained anything, they didn't have a name for it. They didn't know what a GLUT4 insulin receptor was. There wasn't even a thing called an insulin receptor. So when, when, I, when, I, when I figured all this out, now, now we're able to explain it. But the muscle cells and the fat cells have these GLUT4 insulin receptors, and what they do is they, pro, they lie in pockets inside the cell and they proliferate the cell wall and that's like opening all these doors in the cells so so the proteins and the fats and the and the carbs could get into the cells okay now so what happens is the muscle cells pick up the protein and the carbs and the fat cells pick up the fat so then then when you don't eat your blood sugar goes below normal your body dumps glucagon, your pancreas dumps glucagon, which then reverses that process and you start burning the, the fat, you put in the fat cells off as energy. So what we want to do is we want to, and, and we want to feed the muscle and not the fat. So what do we do? We get that, we, we eat protein and carbs, very, very little fat. Keep that below 10%, we try to do five. <laughs> Very, very low fat. Now, you need an essential fatty acid source because you need those like vitamins, but a couple of tablets even primrose oil a day will do. So we feed the muscle so we, over when you're digesting the protein and the carbs, they're going, you got the insulin and in the, in the muscle cells and in the fat cells, those GLUT4 insulin receptors have the doors open, the carbs and the protein go in the muscles. There's no fat to go into the fat cells. Mm. Right, so you're feeding the muscle no, fat, and then and then and then and then instead of your three meals a day, just about the time that insulin level gets back to normal, you feed yourself again. Boom, you get another anabolic burst, where you're where you're forcing the next meal of protein and fats into the into the or protein and carbs into the muscle cells. However, however, the the misconception about John's diet is that it's a low fat diet, and it's not. Right, John. Well, it's it, it, no, no, no. I'm talking L LCT, MCT. I'm going to lead you into that. Okay. Yeah. Well, we use um, it, it's a low LCT diet. Okay. Um, Long chain triglyceride. Right. Exactly. Stand, standard dietary saturated fat as we think of it. That's yeah, what that's what we're keeping to ten or five percent. Or yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that and now, that's what that's when you grab that fat you don't want. That's what that is. However, you are replenishing with MCTs, medium-chain triglycerides. Why and how much? Um, 
to get to get the calories you need, we use the and we have a pure C8. Up until two or three years ago, for 35 years, I was the only one with a pure C8 MCT on the market, and then MCTs became more popular, and it still took them a couple years to figure out that the C8s were better. The C8s are better. Why? Why, why did you? Why did you bring? Why, why MCTs? Let's start with that to begin and with. How, and how did you discover that? Yeah, why? Um, what was going the, to the library when you couldn't get on the internet? There wasn't an internet, and going to the Dewey Decimal System and looking up library. I've heard of those. Yeah. Parenteral diets where they two feed people and finding out, and then we found this. Uh, we found about MCTs that uh, that for people that couldn't digest regular fats and stuff, and it looked like an energy source, and uh, that you didn't turn a lipid, into fat. A, a yeah. lipid, a dense lipid. Right. And so Not nine uh, calories per gram. Um, actually, there's 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 eight point three, and um, if you do the the net calorie effect. When, when you turn, when you, the, the MCTs, uh, let's say the CAPTRI, the pure C8s, uh, get digested just like carbohydrates and fats, so they go in through the portal vein. It's a vascular network that takes all that, all that right through the liver first, and then they're now turning. You, mean, you meant carb, carbohydrates and protein, didn't you? Oh, did I say fat? Yeah, carbohydrates yeah. and protein. Okay. So, so it takes it through the liver where and the and and the cap tri, which is which is uh, a like say medium chain, not a long chain triglyceride, that gets digested. All the C8s, um, all the C8s get digested through the portal vein, go to the liver, they're turned into ketones. And the process of turning them into ketones uh, creates a lot of a lot of heat, which you you basically can't use for you know any type of physical activity. So the, the total net calorie effect is about 6.7 calories a gram. After the oxidation effect? Yeah, after after that. But that actually creates a lot of heat, which yeah. is which bumps up the, which bumps up the metabolism. So um, so, so we, we so came across MCT, those. And MCTs, I was, John, MCTs have the caloric density of fat. But they also don't they go to the head of the oxidation line? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, no matter what you have in the body, you'll use those before you'll even use carbohydrates. So they spare you from using using your glucose. It's a it's a phenomenal energy source. So when you take MCTs, no matter what you have in the body, the MCT goes right to the head of the the line right. and gets yeah. thrown into the blast furnace, right? Yeah, you're going to yeah, pretty cool for fat. Now, Jim and I have talked about this before. Jim is a uh, competitive bodybuilder. Jim, what, what was your experience? What has been been your experience with MCTs, especially, you know, as you get right. closer and closer to the contest? Well, you know, I, I really did it a whole lot last last summer before I, I did a show, and what was really amazing was I had some some more energy, but my cognitive ability. Usually, I can't even read a magazine pre-contest. You know, I'm just like can't focus i'm not in you know i write all year round and then pre-contest i'm like yeah i'm not writing i can't even focus on this but i was able to focus a lot better um you know on that kind of stuff and also mm -hmm. i did have i did have more energy um so i was really really pleased with that and and would not do a diet again without without the mct how, how many mct calories were you taking in a day i don't know peak? i probably took six or eight tablespoons a day maybe something like and, that uh, what's that john 120 
calories per tablespoon? Uh, it's actually 100 net calories. But, 100 net, okay. And but by the way... The, the record, the record, by the way, is 60 tablespoons a day. No, but by the way, John, you got to start off, you gotta start yeah, off uh, slow with this Wells, stuff. Who, who was really carb-sensitive, <laughs> um, I think he, he got in the USA as a heavyweight, uh, and, uh, and he... The MCTs work great for him. If he ate any type of carbs, he tend to bloat up. So he oh. he used he used those for and, and it's for his first um, nationals and the USA. He came in sixth, so that was that was. So he had cool. lower carbs, but the MCTs gave him the. the yeah, he had to, he had to keep his carbs real low. If he ate any any yeah. type of carbs, he'd bloat. So. Yeah, I have that problem. <laughs> but but John, you got to start off real slow with this stuff. Explain that because if you just jump into oh, be in the toilet, three or four spoons a, a meal, you're going to explode. But yeah, so now some people can drink it out of the bottle, but most people um, can tolerate smaller amounts of it. We have you put it on your food, so yeah, you that's what I did. so so you digest it a lot slower, yeah. and and but your body can get used to it. So we say start out with a half a tablespoon a meal, wait three days, go up another half a tablespoon a meal. Even when Scott was at nine, he couldn't go from nine to he couldn't go from eight to nine. He had to go eight, eight to eight and a half, wait three days, right. go eight and a half to nine, wait three days, go, you know, nine to nine and a half, and then the three day wait and that worked for him. Hey, so John, and if hey, he John. tried to push it any tried to push it any further than that, he would uh, he'd start getting stomach upset. Yeah. John, could you talk for a minute about this whole idea of building the metabolism? That is so foreign to people, and it's so basic to your philosophy. Yeah, you, I mean, you build, building the metabolism is is getting all the systems in your body really working in high gear and harmony, and that's just that's that's eating enough calories and when you do that and you, you give your body the stimulus to grow it puts on lean mass and your metabolism goes way up and building the metabolism also has to do with the food you're eating if you're eating a bunch of fat and stuff that's going to slow your metabolism down if you're eating a very clean diet with the with the mcts that's going to speed it up you're producing all that heat as you're as you're turning the mcts and the ketones you're doing the cardio, you're doing the lifting, you're doing yeah. the diet, everything's working together, you're staying in the pocket. No cheat days, no off days, no bobbles, no mulligans, right, John? Right. John, how many cardio days a week? Um, cardio should be every day. Like, every damn and, day. And, and, and like I say, and working out should be every day to, to the fact that if you take Sunday off because you're with your family, that's fine. If you have to take work out two days and then take a day off to recover so you can work out another day or two, then you're not recovering enough. You're not probably eating enough calories and you're not getting enough rest. So if you want to really build your body, you, you, you know, you, you, you keep, you, you don't just do it in spurts. You do it on a steady basis day by day. Are you a fan of, are you a fan of hit cardio or are you more sustained cardio? Um, no, I, I, I like you got to do a cardio for a certain duration, but you put the hit into the duration. Yeah. Like you, you start out on the treadmill and you go for 10 minutes or so to get warmed up. Then you punch it way up and you run like hell. I can't keep up with it. You're breathing real hard. Then you cut back so you're still and you, you let your body recover a little bit. By doing the hit, that forms, you're, you're actually doing high intensity at, at, at a pace that you can't sustain. So that gives your body just the impetus to get to get better, to increase the cardiovascular efficiency. 
And, so. and talk, talk a little bit about the mitochondria density and, and the, oh. how, how that type of cardio will actually increase mitochondrial density as opposed to steady state where you're, you know, rolling along at 70. Yeah, if there's, if, 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 if there's, if, if you can keep up the mitochondrial energy, energy furnaces inside the cells, if you can keep up with what you're doing and just go steady state, there's no re reason to add any more mitochondria. If you push it so your body can't can't cool. come come up with you know enough fuel, um, enough you know energy uh, to to fuel everything, and those pathways are going wide open and can't keep up, then then you're going to get just like. To get the stimulus to grow muscle, you're going to get the stimulus to add more mitochondria, so you can make more energy for that muscle. And why is that a good thing? Why is more mitochondria beneficial? Oh, it burns fat. Mm -hmm. Mitochondria, where things are oxidized, you oxidize carbohydrates, but that's where you oxidize fat too. Now, it's, it would only be built in the working muscle. In other words, if you're doing a stationary bike, you're going to build mitochondria in your pumping legs, but not in your arms, your shoulders. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be in a working muscle. That's why I like that. That's why I'm also famous for the 100 rep sets and things like that. So well, that's, that's a good segue because I was listening to uh, about, uh, um, about the Legends of Bodybuilding and, and the the uh, podcast, and the guest was Franco Santoriello. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he said he's never, I know you trained him, and he said he's never worked out so hard in his life, and he couldn't duplicate it even if he tried without you, you know, putting him through his paces. So what I really want to know, because you got the nutrition aspect of it and how that melds with your training philosophy and what kind of training were you doing with him and how, how that worked? Um, he, he, was, he, was first, he was first sent to me by American Sports Network. Um, he had won the Team USA, which was a pretty easy contest to win. But he's coming, but, but, no, it, for him. But he, he was going into the team na yeah, for him. He was going into the team <clears throat> national where he's going up Eddie Robinson, Shane Damara, a couple other guys that became really good pros and uh he had no calves. He had zero calves. He I said he hadn't like, been training. He he was partying and then uh, he was like seven, eight weeks out and Lou Lou Zwick called you and said or he said he's not gonna do the show and he sent him to you and he he did the show. Right. We put we put two inches on his calves in five weeks. So, how? 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 Um, by just by see now the calf is a the calf is a is is a unique muscle because it's basically all slow twitch muscle fibers. So your gastrocnemius is is that's the shelf when that's what most people think is the calf. And that's the shelf on your calf. When you go up, you can see the heads there. That's a gastrocnemius. Okay, that that crosses the that crosses your knee and ties into the femur. So that works really efficiently when your legs are straight. Now under that is the soleus, which um, ties into your lower leg. It doesn't cross the femur. So uh, so, but that actually. That actually gives your leg, the, your, your calf muscle, the diamond shape. As it gets bigger, it pushes out a little bit, but it spreads. So by doing um, by doing a lot of and, and a calf muscle, like I said, almost all slow twitch muscle fibers, it's really hard to fatigue. So that's a lot, a lot of reps, forced reps, doing your calves, and to isolate the soleus, which really pushes that gas rock out and spreads it, make it a big calf. 
I, I had a special calf machine that I made um, where your legs were back about 120, your, your knee was bent 120, 130 degrees to take the soleus completely out of it. And then you do high rep, 100 rep sets. And I mean, he got up to, he got up to three, 400 rep sets. I mean, God, and, damn. And, but, and we use a weight that you could only maybe do 20 by yourself and the rest were forced reps. And and that that calf will grow, but it see it's it's hard to stimulate the calf to grow unless you you know unless you push it past what it can do, and it's not made to be pushed what past what it can do because that's basically what you use all day when you're walking around. It's made not to fatigue. Let, let me make just two quick points on that. Number one, John is an expert welder. He makes equipment that is like uh, Leonardo da Vinci artwork. It's beautiful. Uh, Genetic equalizer, right, John? Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful, I, I, beautiful. I, I, I make it when I can. My when I can. My my latest seat <coughs> into into show people things and to see see what works is a is a leg press. But with this leg press, I can vary the force through the range of motion. I can actually take the inertia. When, when you start, when, when you're doing a leg press and you get the weight moving, the inertia tends to carry it. So right. once you once you start it, it just wants to keep going, and it doesn't take as much effort as it took to start it. Well, I can take the inertia. I can you're, take the inertia. You're stronger at the top of the rep. Yeah, well, well, that's leverage too. Mm -hmm. But I can I can take the I can take the, the 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 or let's say the momentum. I can take the momentum out of it, so that's no longer a factor. So you're working a strength curve through the full range of motion. So I'll get somebody in there and say, okay, let's put a couple hundred pounds on here. Do 10 reps. And I say, oh, this is easy. Okay, now let's take the momentum out of it. It's like by five, their legs are burning. They're like, holy right. shit. Right. And then, and then, what makes free weights better than rubber bands and springs? Lay it on us. Okay. Every, if, if rubber bands and springs, which are so easy to use, work better, good as free weights, all the gym equipment would have it. It doesn't. It's because the the free weights have mass behind them. So it's you you actually have to you have to you have to start you have to get a mass in motion. It takes energy. So when you so when you more than if it's in motion. Well, more more than a rubber bands and spring. You're just pushing against the force. But with with the with the with the with the mass behind the free weight, you have the force plus the the inertia, which you have to counteract to get it going. And the same thing when you the same thing when you when you're trying to stop it at the bottom of a rep, when you're doing your concentric movement and you're tearing that muscle tissue. So. Uh, also, my my second point is that uh, now when. When you uh, but, oh, pump, wait, pump wait, up Frank, look, go ahead. I'm sorry, buddy. Yeah, first, 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 so actually, this is the only piece of equipment like this that exists in the world. I can vary the inertia with the force. I can I can do a 200 pound leg press with a thousand pounds of inertia behind. Really, John. And, and I, I just use this to show people. I, you, you isolate everything. Okay, here's what momentum does. Feel it with the momentum, without the momentum. Here's what the inertia does. Feel it with with inertia, without inertia, and it's you know with, with added inertia, without added inertia. And everybody's like, "Wow, you should really you should sign the leg press machine." No, we got to start, the, John. And the leg wait, the leg press machine has like Carol Shelby. No, it has dozens, <laughs> dozens of uh, 
together half inch bolts. I mean, and uh, and there's there's oh, 50 pieces or so, 60 pieces of different plates and things welded onto it to actually make it. Every hole is net. John, we got is, is it on YouTube? Yeah, he's got some of that stuff on YouTube, don't you? I don't know if that's there. There might be that might be on your site. That on YouTube, man. No, we got to start producing. We got to start producing yeah. these machines and put them on Iron Company. JP, I'm telling you, man. Yeah, I'm come a on. Manufacturer. The problem is, I'm doing it myself. So yeah, he's well, custom, this is custom made. You, you need a you need a good friend like me. Yeah. All right. Well, look. Also, I wanted to get back to Franco's calves. Were there was there any fascia planing or fascia oh, yeah. stretching involved? We'll talk to them about this fascia well, planing. First, they likely first, have never heard of this. When, when he when he first came, this is I don't wild. Think when he first came, I don't think he did, and that, that was only five weeks. We weren't doing the planing yet, but we that's that's where I developed shit squats, which is uh, <laughs> that, that, that's that's another exercise where you you like uh, you crouch all the way down, and you like say you're in a total crouch, and you you hang on to something, and you you come up into you know work your calves and pull your glutes to your heels. And that really totally isolates the soleus. We did that as a we did that after every set. He did a standing for the gastrocnemius or or the uh, or the special calf machine I had for his soleus. In between every set of those, we did the shit squats, which really which really, and since you're in that position, it helps the, the muscle can't like push out as much, so it tends to spread the the soleus and give you more diamond shape. Tell them about planning. <clears throat> yeah, so eventually we came up with, and it's it just, it's not like I had this idea, hey, if we plane the muscle, it's it's just kind of one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another, and then you realize the fascia, um, the fascia tissue that protects and surrounds the muscle, um, you, you start finding people that have really tight fascia, and those people with good separation have looser fascia. So we started we started stretching, and then we actually started planing um, planing the muscle to stretch the fascia further, which which gives the muscle a lot more room to grow. It shows a lot more separation. You've you've all seen the bodybuilders with you can see every vein in their legs, but you don't see much separation. There's no fat, but when you push. When, when you get the leg pumped up, you push out against the fascia, which covers everything. It, it tends, it smooths it out. It's like, it's like, you know, push, pushing something out and some cellophane real tight, and and it just gets smooth. So if you can make that actually, actually, um, more put more volume in there, make it looser, then as then you can see the individual muscles a lot better, and you you get a lot more separation. So John, I, I that, then that's the, yeah, that's something I definitely came John, up with. John, yeah. question, question on that. 1991, I was working for uh, Lusewick American Sports Network. By the way, I remember uh, Santoriello. We did a shoot with him one time, and uh, he he had a great physique. I don't remember his calves though. Um, maybe you had already been working at him. Well, no, no. Eventually, we got him to have extremely good. Calves. Yeah, but he, I, he would come back. He would. He, one time he lived with me for eight months. I mean, he would he would get up his breakfast. He was he was eating ten thousand clean calories a day. Oh, his breakfast was thirty seven hundred calories. We would get the we would get the big you know the big 
big pot out like you could spaghetti in for the whole family. That was yeah, two sure. thirds to three quarters of the way filled up with oatmeal. He yeah. would eat that, and he would do dry. with with a horrendous protein shake. Dry, dry oatmeal like that. No, no, like, no. Well, it wasn't dry. <clears throat> well, I know so, what I mean. It was no, no, nothing on it. Just plain no, it, like plain oatmeal. So I I have a question on the fascia stretching now. Back back then, now that was probably ninety one. I remember talking with Lou, and I said, you know, I'm looking to switch my workouts around and stuff. He gave me a bunch of manuals, and I remember these manuals, these training manuals, had a lot of stretching in it. And I was talking to Marty about this the other day, and he was telling me that you were a big fan of stretching between sets and all that. And I said that sounds like exactly the content that was in those manuals that Lou gave me. Were was, was that your your uh, your training uh, programs in there. He's the only one who does it. John's the only one who does it. Yes, uh, yeah, it I, I definitely came up with the fascial stretching. Okay. Different from the plane, but first we came up with the fascial stretching. When you have the muscle pumped, why, and, and 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 it's like the, the biggest volume you can get under an area. So so it is a sphere. So as the muscle pumps up, it wants to shorten and turn into a you know basically turn into a big, you know, a round sphere. So, um, so why not pump it up? And then when that fascia is really tight, then let's, let's put, let's put you through a really hard stretch. Not only does that, does that help with the connective tissue so you won't end up with an injury in the future, it helps stretch that fascia so the muscle has more room to grow. And it's yeah. a targeted, it's a targeted stretch on the muscle that was just pumped. Exactly. That, it makes a lot of sense. Now, there's a lot of guys that say, to the contrary, stay tight during your workout. Uh, what do you say to those guys? Um, everything, everything you just said. <laughs> why, why do you want? Why do you want to get just tight? Why don't let's say? Well, to, for maximum strength and all that. Now, is powerlifting different? Did do like Marty? Would you have Kirk stretch between you know warm up sets on the squat or? You know, what did you, how did, did you guys approach no, it differently? Kirk, Kirk was so flexible, we had to work the other way and tighten him up a little bit. <laughs> really? John, are those are those and that's, stretches and, and that's, if, if he If he was that flexible, that's probably why he grew so well, because the fascia didn't hold him back. He was a good athlete. He was a good long jumper, sprinter. You know, he had those yeah. kind of muscles. Uh, John, tell him about the planing. Tell him actually how you do it. Okay, you. This is wild. Well, you like say you'll you'll do some sets. Um, uh, you, we we usually did the planing after the workout, and mm -hmm. and they and they weren't running out of glycogen, so the muscle was still pumped because they were eating a lot. And then you then you stretch the muscle as far as you can, like a fascial stretch. Then you and you always go towards the heart because your blood vessels have one-way valves in them. You actually, with your knuckles, you indent it. So you have this 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 muscle where the it's stretched as tight as possible. Let's say your bicep. So you indent it. You push in on it, right down by the elbow, and then so that's gonna that spot right there is gonna stretch that in that immediate area, and then you plane all the way up to the shoulder. So you're 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 indenting it and moving that indentation, which is stretching it as you go up loosening the fascia yes 
and it can. And be you do that, and you do that for how long? How I mean, now, I mean, what was his name? Paul Love. Paul Love. Yeah, Paul. Ron Love. Ron Love. Ron Love. Ron Love. You, we, we put almost two inches on his arms one night. And how long? I mean, like within like two hours, right? Yeah, and then we couldn't get him out of the gym. He just sat in there and kept going. Damn. Damn. And, and, but I mean, it, I mean, he did that for like an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a high pain tolerance thing, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you yeah. send him through the roof. Yeah. That reminds me. As, as I was doing it, you kind of watch and you, you, get, you, you don't try to put them over their limit, but you do it as hard as you can. And I was, you know, I do it like, ah, you know, so you, you, you ease up a little bit. And then, and then I'd go, and I'd act like I'd do it. I'd go, oh, I haven't pushed yet, Ron. <laughs> Oh. That, hey, that reminds me, I, I used to manage a gym way back when, and we had to dress real nice. We had to, you know, have slacks on and, and all that. And I would always work out after work about 10, 10.30 at night. And uh, I said, you know what, I'm just going to go and do some calves real quick. And uh, so I rolled up my slacks and I rolled them up to like my knee. I got such an incredible pump when I was done. I only did like, you know, three or four sets. I couldn't get my pants to roll down, <laughs> yeah. so I had to. I had. I, I got in the car. Caps, I got no. I got in the car and I had a roommate. And I get in. I open up the door and he's on the couch watching TV. And I see him look at me. He looks down and then back up and he's like, "What the f?" I said, "Yeah, I just did calves. I couldn't get my uh, my pants down." So. Yeah, you had to work so hard for this. He was like Mike Menser. He's like born with 19-inch <laughs> John, was the rest of your training philosophy similar to that? Uh, like, oh, like oh yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. In other words, the biggest stimulus you can get, you go for, but you got to recover from it. And Franco was, Franco was unique. <clears throat> he got to the point, like I remember we had him uh, just before the USA where Eddie Robinson beat him. Um, Eddie Robinson was a monster. Yeah. I don't know Eddie real well too, but um, he was like a 580 raw bencher. Yeah, for yeah, real, yeah, for yeah. real. But um, but I remember we had him at an all-time max body weight. I think at 208 pounds. Okay. Two how much? Had, 208. He had never weighed that much. 208. He's yeah. He's about five five. So 208. So we got him on my arched incline bench with 405. Okay. And, and these, these are things he could do all the time. So, and this, this, this was a new, he, he had never done 405 before, okay? But he was, we had him really fed up and everything. So he got to the point, he did one, two, three. You didn't know he was going to get the fourth rep. Four, and then he got five, six. The adrenaline kicked in, he got 22 reps. Wow. Okay, so he could train like that. And then when I, when I would do the fascial planing on him, he'd go, come on, Pops, you can't hurt me. Is that all you've got? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, also, uh, I think my favorite story was that didn't he used to run, like, psycho-crazed cardio classes where he'd have, like, scare the hell out of normal people? Not, Did, not, at, not, not at our gym. He was just, he, he was basically there to just train himself. Yeah, well, at some point he it, to, well, it might, it to might earn have, extra money. He was a cardio. He was an instructor. Like he'd get in front of a class and lead a cardio class, oh, but it yeah. was like you know, but cardio by Sergeant Fury. Oh yeah, he was. Uh, <laughs> and he, actually, he might have done some of that at our uh, 
um, he moved. He's he's here now actually, and uh, he he had moved back to Ohio, um, or moved to Ohio when we were probably 15 years ago, 16 years ago when we were on the on the Interstate Drive before we were here, and uh, we had a gym there, and he probably did did some of that then. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I heard. But that was that was that was years after we quit competing. Let's um let's swing back to supplements a little bit. Um, talk about there was what things. So you start early on, and you were you you had a gym. You're working with these guys. You're an athlete yourself. So there was you were you started noticing um, you know nutritional things and supplements that just weren't around that you actually came up without a necessity for your own training and, and training others and things like that. We talked about MCT was kind of that way. Um, but what, what other things did you kind of come up with? Oh, well, just real good sources of, of protein. One of the things I developed is the body stats, okay, the body stat method. Where, and that's how I found out everything. I, we started, the first thing I did is, is is getting back to the original story is um, I, I went and I got uh, I went down to Spatz's health food store which was the only place in Cincinnati that sold um, that, that, that sold any type of bodybuilding supplement and they had uh, about four shelves worth and that was it but they they had a book called it was a USDA uh, number eight uh, Handbook of uh, nutritional <laughs> content food, yeah. and and I got that, and I started tracking the diet. I said, okay, the diet is going to be critical in this. I started tracking the diet, and then we were seeing, you know, by by all the guys I was training and working with, we were seeing how it affected our lifting and that, and how we looked, and as well, I was you, finding as I John, was finding John, things out. John, you got yeah. a lot of good advice from California, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to get everybody to this is good to get everybody to do what I want them to do. If I say, hey, let's try this, they go, yeah, why? So I, I, I'd go. So they'd say, uh, okay, we want to try to do this. This, okay, let me figure it out. I'll call. You know, I'll, 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 I'll get with you in a day or two and see. So I, I come in the gym. I say, hey guys, I called California, and, and boy, they're just they would just freeze. And it's like I didn't know anybody in California, but they knew what I wanted them to do. So, so, uh, so anyway, so I came up with a uh, um, like electrical impedance was new. We said, okay, now we got to quantify this more and figure out how we can, you know, how we can find out exactly what's going on, not just by the scale and how we're looking and measurements. So. Um, Electrical impedance was brand new. Um, the bod pod, or not the bod pod, but the underwater weighing was was had been around for a while to check to check um, you know to check body your body stats. Mm -hmm. So we delved into all of that all of that and found out the simplest way was to just use the calipers. Now I said, okay, if we're going to use the calipers, um, we want to do the whole body. Everybody was doing two, three, maybe four, four uh, you know four spots. I uh, went to the library. The Air, Air Force had done some work, and they were doing six locations. So I made, I, I just said, okay, I used all the ones that somebody else had been using, except I used the kidney. These, are, pin, these are pinch points pinches, on yeah, the body. pinch points. So I put the kidney in, because on, on bodybuilders, that's about the last place the fat goes. And I did 10 sites, 
and then the hamstring was too hard to get on some people, so we, we narrowed it down to nine. And then um, we were sending people up to Indianapolis where they had the, one of the first um, underwater weighing things that measured the volume of air in your lungs. And we just, my fudge factor in that 0.27 you multiply by um, guys between, we were measuring guys between five and 20% body fat. That just equated on an average to what they were coming back from Indianapolis with. So, no, 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 wait, we're fuzzy on that. What What are you saying? What was the differential? Um, the, what, like I said, we just, we made it so so it would correspond with what are, with the methods with the with the readings that everybody yeah. is used to. Right. So five yeah. percent, like five percent, if yeah. you're getting underwater weight, or if you're you're doing the body stats. Mm-hmm. And we, okay. I also I also found out another thing. That, uh, we had tried to some guys were getting underwater weight at a, a regular basis, and they come into the gym and said this diet isn't working. My fat's up two percent. And I go, you look leaner. You look much leaner. And then one guy went up there. This is this is no lie. And he really had to, he got ready to get dunked, and he really had to fart. Yeah. And he held it in, and they dunked him, <laughs> and then he got out, and he let out this, he said, huge, huge fart. And they said, let's do it again. You know how much <laughs> body fat that was worth? How much? Two, two percent. Because well, they're measuring your buoyancy. Well, that's good news for you, JP. So... Wow, so, 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 I might be five percent body fat. So, so, the, so the calipers ended up being the, actually the easiest thing to use and the most accurate if they're done with the same person and consistent. And, and you can do them, you know, you can do them once. A, getting ready for contests, we do them twice a week. Right, and that ties into the rest of the body stat program, which is logging and. Oh, paying yeah. attention and, and weighing the food if you're going to really get down right. to it, if you're really I, I, serious. I was just, I was just reading, uh, um, we got some of the articles framed here, and I was just reading um, female bodybuilding about the 1990 Olympia where Linda Murray just won it hands down. That was Francis your girl, came, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bev Francis came in second looking emaciated. That's where, right. that's where low-calorie diets compared to Linda Murray. And... And um, I think Reg Bradford wrote the article, and he said he said um, he couldn't believe how much she was eating, and she he he said she was doing the Perillo diet, and uh, and he said I wonder what the other girls would have looked like if they would have you know if they would have followed a similar diet, and uh, and it was she was uh, great. I liked her a lot. Oh, she's just yeah. a lady and a half. She's, and you, she's you trained her, or you did her diet, or both? Oh yeah, I, I originally met her. I was at uh, at uh, Norm Davish's uh, gym, powerhouse. Yeah, yeah, powerhouse Norm. And, what, what was his and, brother's name? Norm. Um, I can't remember. Norm. Anyways. Oh wait. Um, oh shit. The Davish and the sister, yeah. the brother. Yeah, yeah. God, I, I love them. Yeah, they're they're just such great people. But she had just won to Michigan. And they showed me a picture, and I was just was like, "You're emaciated." Mm-hmm. And uh, I looked at the picture and saw her structure and her. Oh, know, what a frame, her, huh? Her conformation. I said, "You could be Miss Olympia." And she goes, huh. "Oh no, <laughs> oh wow!" But she probably thought she could be, but she was. And and um, and I said, "You know, hey, I'll, you know, I'll." And her her goal was, I said, well, "What are your goals?" She says, "I'm going to take two years off." 
and try to put on some size, and then I'm going to compete at the national level. Okay, I worked with her and actually worked with her. She had calf problems, worked with her getting her calves up and, and worked with her extensively on her diet and, and her training. And she would come down all the time and uh, spend a couple days uh, from Detroit. And uh, and in those two years, and I introduced her to all the photographers I knew and everything. She started getting some publicity. And uh, within two years, she was Miss Olympia. Yeah. Well, wow. cream rises to the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and you know one of, one of the things that they, they said in the article he said in the article he said he said she showed me the stack of you know it, it takes a whole lot of record keeping to do the Perillo diet she showed me the stacks and stacks of mm. of, of records she had of each day's diet yep. and it's like it wasn't it wasn't record keeping it was it, it, it was it was planning you plan the diet you're going to eat. You eat that diet, and the, all those, all those lists and lists of what she ate every day wasn't. This is what I did, you know. This is what I did yesterday. This is it's. This is what I'm going to do tomorrow. So once you do that, you know, it's 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 not it's not keeping records. It's planning so you can. So then when you do your body stats. You can make very, very careful scientific changes in what to do to keep getting leaner and more muscular. So, John, when you're training somebody um, who has a lot of body fat to lose versus somebody who's building up like Franco and Linda, do you, you still do the, the frequent meals, but you just adjust the macros? And, and how would you do that? If I get somebody, and, and over the years I've worked with, yeah, with enough, with enough right. people that are, you'd say were obese, um, it's like first I the, the nice thing about it is I don't work hardly at all with the general public um, and I work with I work with people that are totally obsessed and and, right. uh, and motivated but, yeah and really really motivated but if I do work with somebody like that it, it's, it's like okay we're gonna we're here here's what we're gonna do the first thing they want to do they're grossly I want to lose weight I said nope first thing we're gonna do for the first month we're gonna gain a pound a week what what do you mean? No, we're going to build your metabolism. I have never worked with anybody when they ate a clean bodybuilding diet. I'm talking like perfectly clean. Yep. That have never been able to gain a pound a week for more than three weeks. Pretty soon they're eating so much food that, that, that they can't eat anymore. And then the fat just starts going off. Because the same person that puts fat on easy can put muscle on easy because they're very insulin reactive. Uh-huh. So, so when they eat... Those GLUT4 insulin receptors really, really load up the, are, are really get a lot of, you know, a lot of nutrients inside the muscle and or the fat cells. But if you don't eat the fat, you're just getting it in the muscle cells. And then the metabolism goes up and you burn the fat off. And you're making them stronger so they're able to maneuver their bulk around better. And it's just, yeah, they love it. Okay, so then you get them to that point and then their metabolism is going so fast. Do you make changes there with the with the diet, or how does that work? You keep going. Usually, they usually usually the hard part. Here's the hardest thing: is when they first blow their diet, right. and usually when they blow the diet, you know, you gain five pounds or something. They blow the diet and they get on a scale and nothing happens because their metabolism side. Like, oh, <laughs> and then and then they start blowing their diet more and more and more. Well, <laughs> when you're when you're that insulin reactive, you put on fat pretty easy. Yeah. So the, the whole thing is. 
is just keeping them keeping them on track and eating the right foods. And and having them train and do cardio. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That's I mean that's. But that's, but it's that's, it's, that's, it's that's to their yeah. ability. Right. Right. Oh, well, Let's. Uh, a lot of people that are overweight are still pretty healthy. That's a good point. And well, as you point out, it's very easy to get them strong. And when they get strong, it may, it improves the quality of their life immediately, and that gets them fired up. Plus, yeah. you want to move when you're stronger, and it, you know you, you want to move around. They, they can. They can take, right. carry the groceries in up the three steps. Right. They can, right, right. you know, walk more than a hundred yards. They don't have to get in the cart at, at Kmart or Walmart, right? <laughs> so well, it's that's, that's that's so terrible. You go to Walmart, you see. 30-year-old women riding around in the carts that are grossly obese. That's just, that just yeah. breaks my heart. Yeah. Uh, John, who is the best? Who's the favorite bodybuilder of all time? Yeah, it, it depends. How, probably, I mean, you, you got you got huh, you got Bill Pearl, who's just the best guy in the world. You got. You got Sergio Oliva. You got the the, the the ones that has probably the most impact on everything, and is the most likable is probably Arnold. Um, but you, but you, there's just so many. You, you can't say. You you can you can look at what what each of them did, and uh, you, you guys like uh, what uh, Calendar. I mean, remember how muscular he was? Yeah, Roy oh, from Canada. Roy, back in the yeah. day. Or he Albert spent, Beckles. He spent, he spent eight hours a day in the gym. Yeah, it was. Uh, no. But there's just so many greats. But like I say, the one with the, the one with the, the biggest impact has been by far. Yeah. Now these are old school guys, but what do you think about the current state of bodybuilding and where it's going? JP, let me just interrupt for one brief second because we do want to talk about that. But John, do you remember the time we went to the Chinese lunch? At, I forget where we were at, maybe the night of champions of the Olympia with Sonny Schmidt. And, <laughs> and he ate, what did he order? He ordered three full lunches, and then he finished off everybody else's. Now, were you with us? You were with us, right? Yeah, yeah, that was that was in uh, Vancouver. And, and he, yes, we're in Vancouver, that's and, right. And, and, and they had this place that served Chinese. I mean, it was this, it was this plate that was... 12 inches, 14 inches around, and it was piled high. It was piled six to eight <laughs> inches high with everything. I, we all couldn't finish ours. He ate three of them, he, and, and what everybody else didn't eat. Then we go walking down. This was in a mall. We go yep. walking down the mall. And say, we're sunny. We're sunny. And he comes out of Cinnabon with these two huge <laughs> Cinnabons in each hand just chomping away it's at him. It's like... And he's, Holy cow. he's ripped to shreds. He's the master's Mr. Olympia. And it's like he can't he can't go for more than 35 minutes without ingesting, you know, 4,000 calories. Yeah, and when we go out to eat at night, because he, he was guest posing, we'd go out to eat at night. Um, <laughs> he, would, he would have to get a, a, a whole steak and a whole meal to take back to his room so he wouldn't starve to death. Sounds like another guy we know. Brad oh, Gillingham. Big Brad, but at least Brad, you would expect it. But these guys, their metabolisms are raging like bonfires, yeah. mm -hmm. and a lot of it is the fact that they're, you know, that they've just as Perillo, he blazed the trail. Build the metabolism. Teach the body how to 
how to utilize more and more calories over time, which allows you to train harder, train longer, you know, and get better all, results. Yeah, it all kind of uh, accelerates. Most people, most people out-train their nutrition. Ooh, I like that. Oh, okay, what does that mean? I love that. That means they'll train themselves train their to, to a level of oblivion. They'll, uh -huh. train them, they'll train themselves to where their body can't keep up, and it can't keep up because they're really not getting in enough nutrition to build. In other words, their weight doesn't go up, their lifts doesn't go up, and they go and doing these killer workouts after killer workouts, which should give you enough stimulus to grow muscle, but you're not growing any new muscle. What, what, what kind of uh, micronutrients would you recommend for, you know, a, a, a relatively in-shape guy coming in who wants to up his game? Uh, how do you, know, you figure protein, out the protein, uh, carb, fat? You know, I mean, how many calories? Boom, boom, boom. He's uh, two hundred. He's uh, two hundred pounds and five ten with uh, twelve percent body fat. So take um, it away. Real simple. Um, we recommend at least a gram and a half, and it can be two. You you just you pick a starting point. Gram and a half, two grams of protein per pound of body weight. So that's um, three three hundred three hundred grams for a two hundred pound guy at least. Right. Yeah, and and then um, and then you you keep the fats as low as possible. You can get, if you're really strict, you can get them down to five percent. Yeah, you make sure you take an essential fatty acid source, like evening primrose oil, um, and then you you fill in with um, however many carbs you want, and what, then you what, what, what kind? Um, oh, you you need you you need carbs. You're going to digest slowly. So that spreads that insulin, that, that instead of the insulin peaking, it's more of a gradual thing and it's longer. So while that insulin is up, that's when you have the anabolic effect when you're pulling the nutrients into the muscle. So you're eating um, starches for the, for the calorie content, like potatoes, sweet potatoes, lima beans, rice, that sort of thing. And then you're eating, and then you're eating, you're eating uh, fibrous carbs, broccoli, cauliflower, asparagus, green beans, for the for the nutrients in them, the vitamins, minerals, phytonutrients, and everything, and they got the fiber which holds everything in the stomach longer and even spreads that spreads that digestion out longer. So you're in an anabolic window longer. Yeah. So so and then you you have to pick a calorie range where you're okay. If, if you want to gain muscle, well, you 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 have to pick a calorie range for the scale to go up, um, and. And you know, and usually that's that's where the MCTs come in because you can add a lot of calories in where you can't where you can't just eat any more bulk of food. And so, and, and you have them on mul multiple meal eating. Oh together. yeah, yeah, six meals a day. If you they need seven or eight, that's even better. So if, if the jump in is say three thousand calories, it'd be six five hundred calorie meals, you know, roughly. Right. What, um, let, let's go back to my question real quick, and then um, because I want to get to, uh, I want to debunk a few things. I want to ask John a few, um, you know, things that many of us have heard over the years about uh, nutrition and, and things like that. So, um, what? To, so bodybuilding, you know, back in the day compared to now and where it's going. I mean, what are your what are your feelings on that? Um, yeah, I mean, do you think? You think it's every, just going every, too far? Everything evolves. Um, like when Mike Metzer won the America, 
you could anybody could look at that and say, God, if I trained real hard for a bunch of years, I could look like that. Now, now since you're getting more of a genetic, um, you know, you're getting people with just these ridiculous genetics, and 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 uh, and some of the stuff they're doing, it's like the the normal person who used to. They used to have the Mr. America on TV and everything, and they don't they don't even do that anymore. But uh, um, the normal person looking at that say, I could never look like that, nor would yeah. I want to look like that. Yeah, so, it's out of reach. But but they yeah. but they you know with having they've broken it up though. The people that want to look like that, they have a place for them. The people that don't quite want to look like that, they have a place for them. They got classic physique. They got you know regular bodybuilding. They got you know you can go all the way down the line. So. They've, they've spread out, you know, they, they've spread that out more and, uh, and every, every, you know, it evolves. So everybody has, has his own, you know, his own thing he likes. Like a lot of the younger bodybuilders will just admire the total freaks. Um, and, uh, and, and then some people, you know, just want to, just want to look like, you know, the, the, the perfect human specimen. Marty and I have talked about the evolution of powerlifting and he was he kind of feels he was kind of feels that genetically humans have gone about as far as they can in powerlifting. So would you say that's pretty pretty much uh, I, falls I, in line with bodybuilding? Time, every time you put a limit on something, it gets broken. Like we yeah. never thought we'd see anywhere close to the bench presses we see. And I mean, I remember when a 600 pound bench press was such a rarity, it was unbelievable. Now these guys are doing a thousand pounds. No, they're not. Now you're getting Marty no, fired they're up. Not. No, they're not. They're doing all this weight with these goddamn bench shirts. You take the shirts <laughs> off and we haven't moved anywhere since Jim Williams bench 700 in 1971. Okay, next. Yeah. Yeah, well, I got a I got a buddy up in uh, Canton who said there's kid benches up there. Watching bench over 900. We're Take off. his shirt off and go into oh, a competition. Off. Go into a competition, yeah. and then we'll all applaud him. But guess what? It'll never happen. John, the change in the bodybuilders, besides the genetic component, um, but don't you think that that the frequent meals that they've all switched to has has really helped them gain that size? I mean, I know about the drugs and all I'm saying, but nutritionally, it's so much different than the tuna and water diet that Arnold and those guys were doing back then. To you know, and now they're eating like you said to eat. Don't you think that contributes to the math? Oh, that, that's <laughs> that, that's that's the whole that's yeah. the whole ball game right there. Yeah. If you if you don't, how, how are you going to grow if you if if you don't eat? I mean, right. just you're I, when you when you hear these these poor women that are on these. I don't know, 1,200 calorie a day diets. You got to realize your brain uses five grams of glucose every hour, no matter what you're doing, sleeping or anything. Okay, that's that's almost 500 calories just to run your brain. Okay, and then you got the rest of your metabolism, and then they're working out for an hour a day and do an hour's worth of aerobics, and they're just they're they're just totally screwing up their metabolisms. I mean, it's it's like they. You, well, what's funny is that your diet, you know, is, uh, you're speaking so much about insulin, and now everybody takes insulin. You know, well, I don't uh, see why I don't see why they're taking insulin when they can't just eat more carbs. Yeah, I mean, I, I, they 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 go keto, and then you hear they take insulin and eat massive amounts of carbs. Well, here let's talk about the keto diet. So the keto diet is well, hey, we're not we can eat all this fat and it's not going into the fat cells. Okay, 
Well, the, the protein and carbs, because they get the same GLUT4 receptors, aren't going into the muscle cells. You ever see anybody get huge on keto? It doesn't happen. They don't put on any muscle. So why not do the best? Yeah, and ketones are great things, great source of energy. So why don't we do a keto-carbo diet and, and, and eat the right the carbs, eat, eat, eat the right carbs and take Captri. Right. So the Captri, that, that basically mimics the ketogenic diet without going keto because you still got the carbs. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah. You're, throwing as, you're throwing as many ketones in there as you want, as much as you right. can take. And that's it. Yeah, okay. But you're not, you're eliminating LCTs as much right. as possible. Long, long chain regular. Switching out. You're switching them out. Right. right. Switching those calories out. So what you would do is you would you would look at the person, you do the measurements and all that, and if they're not losing like you wanted them to lose, maybe bump the MCT up and, and reduce the calories overall? Um, it, well, like kick say. Up, kick up the cardio, all kinds of possibilities. Yeah, there's, 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 God, there's everything you do. And the cardio, you can... You can. I remember Linda Murray. We we kicked up the intensity of her cardio as she got closer to that first Olympia, not just not just added more times. So right. I, I told her she was doing her cardio and she wanted to go longer. I said no, do it more intense. You actually, yes, you burn you burn maybe a little bit more carbs, but you and some protein, but you get to replace those. And but your let, let's let's say you do your cardio and um, you do it. You know, real slow. You burn 100 calories and you burn 100 um, percent fat. Okay, you burn 100 calories worth of fat. Okay. Now let's say you kick it up and you go twice as hard and you burn 200 calories, but you only burn 60 percent fat. Well, guess what? I, you burn 120 calories worth of fat, but you burned off protein and a little bit of, and a little bit of a uh, little bit of muscle. So you get uh, or you burn off carbohydrates, a little bit of muscle. So you get to eat more carbs and you up your protein a little bit or take some branch chains. So uh, yeah, and while they're being very efficient with their 30-minute workouts, where they burn 205 calories, in your 30-minute workout, you're burning 800. Yeah, you're, 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 you 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 got to push your body if you want it to get better. Well, no kidding. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. the whole game. That's what the, yeah. the, the, the civilians don't get, whether it's the weight training, whether it's the cardio, whether it's the diet. John, do you see people training, um, like, with your philosophy now, the, these days, as far as, so, the, you know, everybody thinks, oh, these guys don't train hard now. Well, what you were describing is, you know, hellacious workouts, really uh, priming the pump to need that nutrition, right? And then that process repeats itself, the recovery and all that. My question is, with all the drugs and all that stuff today, do you, are people still training as hard as when you were training those guys? Oh yeah, yes, yeah, some some are. I mean, you get out of it what you put in it. Right. You're, you're you're not these new monsters aren't aren't being built just on drugs alone. If, sure. if you want to look at it that way, they're 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 doing killer workouts. You have got to give your you got to give put the stimulus there. Right, right. That's that's one of the things that Dorian Yates is always talking about. That nobody trains with the intensity anymore that those guys did. Intensity is what it's all about. Intensity, yeah. not only it, you're, with the intensity, you're pushing yourself to that new level, but even, even your brain is it, it's when when you're just when you're just pushing as hard as you can. Uh, it's sending out all kinds of chemical messages, releasing all kinds of hormones and and, and things. It's it, you know stuff that doesn't happen unless you 
push it to the keyword intensity unless you up the intensity. Well, wouldn't it be great if the human body reconfigured itself in response to mild workouts? That'd be fabulous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you could you could you That'd could go you, you could go jog around the, the the block, you know, for for a few months, and then you could win the uh, you could win the marathon <laughs> at, the, at the Olympics. Um, that doesn't happen. <clears throat> Let's. Uh... Let's talk about some falsehoods real quick. This this can be our last thing we talk about. So let's talk about some things that probably all of us have heard, but we know it's BS. Maybe some people don't. John, what do you say when somebody says and argues, well, anybody can only digest 30 grams of protein at a time? Is that for an 80-year-old lady or a 350-pound right, exactly. so, linebacker? It's I mean, not. Here's, that's, here's, the thing on, here's the thing on the protein. Um, and, and, here, and here's here's another advantage I've had since uh, since I worked through a lot of other trainers. It's not just what I've come up with. I've helped them sort things out, and I know what they do. And I've heard when Todd Sweeney was getting uh, Ivory Turner, Papoose was his nickname, ready for the Nationals. He won the white, lightweight Nationals. He had him on an isochloric diet of 7,000 calories. Okay, Every time he would up his protein and lower his carbs, he would put on muscle and lose fat. It would come to a standstill. He'd up his protein, lower his carbs. He'd put on muscle, lose fat. Until he got up to 1,000 grams of protein, and then it didn't work anymore. Mm. But his body was using that extra protein to build muscle. I mean, do, do body you do it by body stats. You say, okay, I, I love my protein. Did I put on muscle? If I put on muscle, hey, I'm eating 500 grams of protein a day. I've, I've seen that. I've seen people go from five to 600 grams and 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 put on muscle. That means their their body's using it to put the muscle on. And uh, and 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 this, I, I don't see where they can say you can only digest that. Now, maybe if you were a vegan for 30 years and you ate oh. a big steak, I mean, maybe you got you to work maybe, up. You got to work up to this. Right. I mean, maybe you don't that, just jump yeah, maybe, in at that level. Maybe that meal you couldn't digest the steak, but if you ate steak every day for a month and you ate that big steak, you you digest all the protein in the steak. Yeah. Start with just, a three ounce serving and build up. To yeah. a 16 ounce it's like over time. you walk into the gym and you can only use 10 pound dumbbells. Well, six months later, you're using 50 pound dumbbells. The same goes with your digestive system. You know, with Franco, we said we said he was a he was a uh, fat burning, uh, food processing muscle machine. <laughs> well, that's what Marty always says about himself too. <laughs> I hear that at least twice a week. So tell him about what's that? What's that the <laughs> or how do you say that? What? <laughs> that stuff with all the fat in it that you... I don't know. Hogmaw. Hogmaw. Hogmaw? Yeah, Hogmaw. That's a Pennsylvania delicacy. <laughs> so, I'll so just... It. I'll send no, that no, to... No, no, no. The thing from the chick... What, what the, the, the duck livers. We oh, had. yeah. Uh, yeah, foie gras. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, to John... We, we use that... Best. We use that as butter here in Pennsylvania. <laughs> John, to my point though, just like training, I mean, there's no uh, cookie cutting. I mean, you gotta you, on your diet, on your protein intake. You know, it depends on your body weight. It depends on your training. It depends on you know how long you've been doing this. So there's so many different things. So, um, but if you're doing if you're doing body stats, you say, okay, let me up my protein, or let me do this, or let me do that, and then you wait a week and see what that did. Right, and so, that's, how, that's how you tell what your body needs. 
Right. So there's no such thing as 30 grams at, at a time for everybody. There's no such thing. So it depends on Absolutely you and a bunch, bunch of other things. So speaking of protein, is protein bad for your liver? You mean no. kidney? It's, it's supposed to be no. kidneys. It, it, it's like when you... When you um, I there's mean, a lot it, of people it, that think it's bad for your liver, though. Really? Yeah. No, I, I heard kidneys, but... It, it, when you eat fats, it's your gallbladder. When you eat carbo, yeah. when you eat carbohydrates, it's your pancreas. When you eat protein, it's your kidneys and/or your liver. Your liver processes everything um, through the portal vein that you use, digest. Even even fats that get circulated, mm-hmm. they're turned into ketones in the liver. Um, well, there you but, go, JP. But. Um, now at a thousand but, grams of protein but, but a day, but, but your body gets your body gets used to it. But but as a th- if I'm taking, so you're a, asking, is there liver or liver damage with high protein? No, what? that's what you're asking. Now now if if you have if you have let's say bad kidneys or a bad right. liver, they might put you on low protein. But if 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 you don't have those metabolic problems, don't have those diseases, your liver can to- and your kidneys can totally adapt. Anything to give it. So, so I'm eating a thousand. I, I'm not. This is a well, no, 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 no. Don't get fixated on it. That, 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 that's an extreme outlier example. No one is suggesting or recommend. John is not recommend. I'm not putting your words in your mouth. I hope here, John. But you're not recommending somebody take a thousand grams of protein a day. No, no I'm that, saying, that's I'm very extreme. Up your protein, do body stats. If you put on muscle, hey, your body needed that protein. Right. Right. What We're about jumping in at a gram? We're jumping in at, at a modest amount. Yeah, a, a gram, and then, then gram you're and working. Max, you're you're working on that. You know, yeah. you're not. You know. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So sequential. So that was my other thing. So you recommend a gram to a gram and a half per pound of body weight. Yeah. Okay. And so, if somebody's if somebody's like bodybuilding and you know competing, I'll, I'll start them out at two. And then, you, and then you just you, you just see what your body needs by doing okay. body stats. So, so just just to start off though with the carbs, would you say maybe double that in carbs and then see where you go, or after a week, or how does that work? Yeah, well, you you got to look at them if they, if they tend to be, um, you know, if they tend to have a lot of fat on them, you might want to make it a fifty fifty ratio and then fill okay. in half try or like like um, so it just. It, if you do it enough, you get pretty good at guessing where to start. Right what to put people on, but, um, and, you know, there's rules of thumb we use, like, if you put somebody on 3,000 calories, and they lose a pound the first day, two pounds the second day, a pound the next day, it's like, well, we better up their calories, because they're depleting their glycogen stores, and they're losing, you know, the carbohydrate energy they store in their muscle, which binds water, so, um, so we will, we'll, before they bottom them out, and then, uh, and then start burning off muscle will 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 increase the uh, will increase the calories so they're only losing a pound a week to no more than one pound per hundred pounds of body weight and the rule of thumb we use is 300 calories per pound so let's say if the first week they lose three or four pounds you only want to lose one pound and they lose three will up their calories or they lose four will up their calories 900 calories for the next week and then see what that does. Right. And, and you keep adjusting it. You, within within two or three weeks, you're actually you're pretty well on, and then you're just fine tuning it from there. 
And then how do you start them off with a cap try? How many? How much do you start them off with? Um, with each meal, we start them at half a tablespoon. Okay. And then, or, or some people, you say you can try if they're if they're eating a pretty good bulk of food, you can start with a tablespoon and see you know see how it affects you, and then and then slowly go up from there. I mean, so is there a ceiling to the to that? Or that like I said, no, we had we had we had Scott Welch, <laughs> yeah. 60, 60 tablespoons a day, and a thousand, was, thousand grams of protein. Blew his head off. No, he exploded. But, but yeah, he he yeah he was on he was on quite a few calories. Yeah. Uh, but it just it just wherever you want to take it, and it's what works for you. Right, it's individual. Uh, how Let's many uh, you, you you had JP real quick, John? What was the the lady that you didn't you have a lady on as many as was it eight or nine thousand calories? And she was oh yeah ninety uh, she's on like ninety seven hundred calories. Um, she, she actually, there was, there was the junior USA, I think, and then the, then the universe, she used the junior USA as a warm-up contest, and she was totally depleted. She was just nothing there. So for the next two weeks, we had her just cut out her cardio, and, uh, and basically, she stayed on the 9,700 calories, and she won the universe. She filled out, and it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And that was that was just putting enough glycogen stores in the muscle to fill them out. So it was a kind of a super compensation thing coming off a depletion yeah, phase. She, she she couldn't no she couldn't eat anymore, so we had to do something to to to, to get her to to you know to put glycogen in the muscle, which binds water, which that's what fills your muscles out. That's why you get a pump and everything. But if you're if there's no that's why everybody you see people are over dieted, they just look totally stringy and there's nothing there. So she, and she she fell out beautifully and won the universe. What was she taking uh, like the week before? Would she cut down to two thousand, three thousand? No, she stayed on the ninety seven hundred. Good God, all the way she, right up. She, to the- yeah, she had to have the calories. If you cut back, you wouldn't store the glycogen. Her metabolism was that high. Hmm. John, talk. How much did you weigh, John? Um, she was a heavyweight. She was a she was a pretty, pretty well with eating all those calories. Christ, she's definitely gonna be a heavyweight. <laughs> Just checking. John, talk about uh, liver enzymes real quick. Since we're talking about liver now, um, I called you a few months ago, and I went and you know I got an annual checkup. I got my my blood taken and all that, and everything came back good. But the liver enzymes were were high. They were like borderline high. I think one or two were like elevated. Uh, above the above the threshold, and I was like, "What is going on with that?" And you told me that you at, the first thing you asked me was, "Did you work out that day, or did you work out the, the day before?" And I said, "Well, the day before." And tell tell that story real quick about the guy that went and got surgery, and they they took his blood and, and all that, and he had just done legs yeah. the day before. Yeah, but this this guy came in orange. He had, he had trained at the gym, and then he didn't train for about he took off for about two or three months, and then he came back, and he did a killer leg workout. I mean, he got right in there with us guys, powerlifting team and everything, did a killer leg workout. So, I mean, before he left the gym, his legs were really sore. He also was um, coaching basketball, so he left the gym and went to coach basketball, and he jumped up, and he came down, and, and, and he tore something in his knee. So he said, oh, we got to go in there and fix that right away. So he the next uh, – the next day, um, 
he went to the he went to the doctor to do all his blood work to get the operation and his liver enzymes were so elevated that the doctor said he said I've seen guys in car wrecks with multiple compound injuries that never had liver enzymes at the time. And so they waited, they waited. Thank you, thank you doctor. They, they you. waited. They waited three days and did it again, and he was fine. But he had, you know, but he had torn that much muscle tissue that it is his liver. His, you know, his liver enzymes went through the roof. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I always wondered why those those readings were high. So next time I go and get a blood test. Um, and get the work done. I'm not going to train for a couple of days before and see how it is because yeah. you know there's I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that you know bodybuilders, weightlifters, athletes, whatever that go in and can't figure out why those numbers yeah, you are have high. Have a doctor that gets it. Have a doctor. That yeah, works. there's 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 um, like Dr. Gearman here. He's uh, um, he's he's physical medicine and rehab. Um, he actually won the Cincinnati physique while he was in med school. He's really hardcore. And um, and a lot of guys will bring him blood tests, and he knows they work out and that, and he'll like you don't have anything to worry about here. Uh, that's that's normal. But a, yeah. a lot of your a lot of your standard, you know, a lot of your standard doctors don't work with athletes and don't know that. They don't know that. Yeah, my my doctor did not know that and uh, couldn't explain that to me. So I I went home not knowing, you know, you know, is there something wrong or whatever, but. So you put me at ease on that, so thank you very much. So that was just a little tidbit for anybody out there that, that uh, experiences the same thing. Anything else you guys want to debunk, like any BS stuff that you guys have, have heard, uh, nutritionally speaking, over the years? Probably tons of stuff. but Well, I don't know that we haven't covered already. Yeah. Let, 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 me, let me say one thing. Um, yeah. Okay, we have John Perola. We sell nutritional supplements and everything. Um, what we do, we like to work... Um, we, we really believe, and I say this in my literature, that the diet, your diet, is the most, most important part of, uh, of, what you, of what you're doing. It's not. There's no miracle supplements out there. There's some supplements you can take and get miraculous results, but you don't do it without the diet. Okay, right. so that that has to be there. So um, we like we like working with trainers and gyms that work with people on their diet. So if you want to learn any of the methodology or anything, um, you can contact me if you want to carry our products. Um, you, you, you have to be, you know, you have to be a bona fide trainer and be able to prove it, or a gym. You have to have a tax number. But those are the people we want to, we want to handle our products and, 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 and offer Perillo. You know, along with the diet. Yeah, and then I just want to say this: that uh, I have been associated with John's products forever, <clears throat> and the reason I got associated with them is because of their quality. First and foremost, the reason I've stayed with them is because of the unwavering quality. Again, his supplements—it's like uh, again, it's it's akin to Lamborghini or Ferrari or Rolls. I mean, your Jaguar. This is a cut above, and it was incredible how many IFBB Pro bodybuilders that were doing incredible endorsements for other supplement companies were using Pirelli's stuff. It's, it's, it's amazing how many uh, high-profile people use Pirelli's stuff, but we can't 
say it because if we do, we're going to get you know in trouble because yeah, they're well, you, under contract with other people. But yeah, you they know where the they know where the quality is. Yeah, that's that that's happened a lot. But you can't you got to say well yeah. If they asked me, I'd say you know hey, yeah do do the endorsement. I mean, Lynn 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 Conkright used to call us on a semi regular basis and say, okay, quit talking about this person. We signed them. Yeah. Well, I I've been taking I've been taking your protein powders and bars and things like that for probably the past year. And I was taking some other stuff that we used to get through Costco and the big bags, you know, the big bags of protein and all that. And it's got all this artificial sweetener and stuff. When I switched over to your stuff, it was so natural tasting and clean tasting. And it's really delicious. And my favorite is the the high protein peach. That peach protein powder is just absolutely delicious. So it's let me, let, let me say one one thing about how we formulate our products. For for ingredients, I mean everybody's oh I got the best ingredient, I got this and I got that. We test our ingredients by doing body stats. If it puts on fat, we don't use it. Hmm. Okay, so all our ingredients have been tested in diets and we use we pick the ones that work the best, which for some reason are always the most expensive. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. I think it has something to do with quality of the of the core nutrient, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and again, John John's product uh, all across the line. Uh, my my personal favorite is the uh, soft chew bar. Uh, yes. This incredible mm-hmm. statistics, incredible taste. Now imagine a is that a 60, 60, 66 gram bar, John? Small bar. It's relatively. A, uh, it's a it's a fifty gram. Fifty gram bar. Yeah. With 22 grams of protein, 17 grams of fiber, and only, what's the calories, John? 120? 105? I can't remember. 100. Can't what remember. Is, you got one there? I do. There we go. I don't have the soft chew. I've got the uh, protein sound, bar. Sound effects, too. Yeah, I think it's about 120. They're amazing. Love those bars. Now, I mean, think of that. 22 grams of protein, 17 fiber. Yeah, the fiber. And only 100 and 100 whatever calories. I mean, this should be the dieter's best friend. And it tastes delicious. My favorite is the is the praline. They taste good too. That's got the captri in it too. Yeah, yeah. All the fats, and I don't know anybody else doing this. All the fats in our bars are captri C8 MCT. MCT. Mm. Okay. And and like we we love product. And and like Marty, if you compare that to the price of palm kernel oil or or, or some of the other stuff people are putting on it, it's about 50 to 1. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like Marty said, this is about as high quality as it gets. This isn't a race to the bottom brand. This is a true uh, Cadillac level brand of, of supplements. Um, it's the purest all the way through, purest ingredients. If you really care, if, if you don't have to, um, you know, if, if you have a little bit more money in the budget, and you really can uh, discriminate between what products you buy and all that, and you want the best. Um, you know, we're we're big fans of this stuff. And it's if you want to see all the different products that they sell, all the different proteins and bars, go to PerilloPerformance.com, and you can uh, or or Perillo.com or Perillo.com, and that's yeah. with two R's and two L's. Two R's, two L's. So. 
No, it's it's good stuff. Like I said, I've been I've been taking your stuff for about the past year. I actually tried CapTry for the first time in like 1991. Used to send all kind of stuff to uh, the office over at Lou's, and he'd hand it out. And uh, I remember taking a bottle of CapTry home. Oh my that God! Was, what are you going to blow up to three fifty? Well, yeah, we have we have butter flavored cap try now. Oh, that no, is, don't, don't tell him that. Do you know how good that is on vegetables and all that? It's yeah. like you, it's like you put a big piece of butter on there and let it melt all over the place. And and if you're if you're a competitor, bodybuilding competitor, we have a lot of unique products that you can eat, like brownies. We got PB for MCT. You mix. You mix it's protein with uh, you mix it with the cap try and you can eat you put it on celery you can eat that getting ready for a contest we got cookies cakes contest cookies yeah contest you you can in in other words so you don't you don't have to you don't have to (laughs) pancakes oh yeah no I bought some of it yeah you mix it up you put in the the cap try it's got the protein in it I mean it's uh, the Perillo engineer food line so good you don't you don't need syrup. I mean, well, they let's, take not get, let's not get carried away. <laughs> <laughs> John, anything else you want to say about your your company or your products? Um, no, I just I've been in this a long time. I enjoy doing it, and uh, it's you know, and I I feel privileged to be able to work with a lot of the, a lot of the top people and know know a lot of people like Marty, and you know, I've known him for so many years, and uh, and. Uh, it's just been, it's just, it's, it's, it's been a blast. So, well, we appreciate you coming on. All right. Check out Marty's weekly column and podcast raw with Marty Gallagher at ironcompany.com. Uh, and most of you are now hearing us on iTunes as well as Spotify. Uh, visit iron company for all your, your gym flooring and equipment needs. We've got currently got great deals on urethane dumbbells, bumper plates, kettlebells, Olympic bars, and a whole lot more. And finally, check out um, Jim Steele articles on our website as well in the articles section. And you can visit his website, his personal website as well. It's BassBarbell.com for training, motivation, different programs. And uh, JP, yes, you should get with John and do that leg press machine, man. I think that could, I think that could be a hit. No, he's got some great stuff. Yeah, that we do need to discuss that. Very first, unique. You, first, I'd like to get you guys out here to, to just see it. Yeah, well, yeah. Send, send us some plane tickets. We'll be right out. Let's go, man. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Yeah. Marty, could, Marty could drive down. No I'll way, pick brother. I'll pick Marty up. All right, guys. Oh, I just I just want to say I just want to say congratulations. This is our longest podcast ever. It's uh, an hour and forty one minutes. Hoorah! All right. All right. Thank you very much, John. Thanks, guys. Thanks, John. Thank you. All right. Thanks, All right. Guys. Goodbye. All right.